Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Fjortoft, talking to you from a hotel room in Manchester. But that doesn't stop me from taking you around the world for this episode, as I will be joined by Dad, who is in London covering the Chelsea-Liverpool game. Lots happening there as Graham Potter is dismissed. And now talks and rumblings of potential candidates. And there might just be a certain former Bayern manager as one of the hottest properties. We'll hear from Fabrizio Romano on that as he lists the potential candidates, as well as Toby Alchef, senior reporter for SportsBuild, who will report on what's happened over the weekend of the Classico as Oliver Kahn, uh, club legend, now CEO of Bayer Munich, uh, got into a a fight with Lothar Mateus live on television. Lothar Mateus, one of the all-time legendary German football players. Um, on the topic of the classicer, as I surely take you over to to Dad, um, it was one of those in which um, Bayern showed who were the supreme leaders of the Bundesliga and why Bayern Munich win the title again and again against their closest arrivals. Game done and dusted pretty much from the get-go after a terrible cover mistake who has been so good for Dortmund and one of the main reasons why Dortmund had stayed undefeated following the World Cup break until this very game. After that cover mistake in which Dortmund started the stronger team, it seemed as if the air was drawn out of Dortmund. They weren't able to react um, and, and, and Bayern had a, a field day. Uh, 3-0 um, and I think we all were disappointed unless you're a Bayern fan for the lack of fight Dortmund showed um, I mentioned this on Twitter as well but um, nothing new from Bayern in the sense that yes they've been fluctuating performances the inconsistency in the Bundesliga being one of the, the main critiques of, of of removing Nagelsmann but remember in the Champions League Bayern won 8 out of 8 games Every time they were pretty much tested in the Bundesliga when they said this is a must-win game against the closest title candidates, if you may. And yes, they were the likes of a Union or Freiburg. They still made a statement win, reminded them. And there's nothing wrong with that in the sense that um, after winning so many Bundesliga titles, slipping up, if you may, um, against the lesser opponents or the ones that you're expected to win might happen every now and again but um we'll see as we speak in 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 a couple of hours or so Bayern will be playing Freiburg in the cup um as they also meet them in the league and then Manchester City in the Champions League so uh without further ado let's hear from dad about what his thoughts were on their classical Today, live from Nike Town, where I've just seen Erling Haaland, the former Dortmund player. So that is my bridge to the, the Klassiker. Great music, great atmosphere here after the Norwegian. And you don't have to dope that is the Norwegian, was presented as the Nike new ambassador and global star. Force 9, he was called. And talking about their Klassiker, I mean, the classica means classic in English, and what it was so classic that Dortmund did well in the first 10 minutes, and then a terrible mistake by Corbel, 
And Terzic said after the game that um, he's been good all season. We wouldn't have been here without him. But it was a terrible mistake by him. And then it was chuk, chuk, chuk. And then Bayern was gone. And Bayern two points ahead now in the table. But it just feel like 12 after that uh, mental, mentally breakdown it is to concede four goals when you are the reigning champion. And I'm sorry for the DJ uh, at the back here, but I still try to get you into the Force 9 uh, atmosphere here. Uh, and Thomas Tuchel, speaking of a, of a force, that was his first game. And after the g game, he was kind of moderate in his, uh, in his praise of his team. He said it was a bit too wild, he said, with a lot of ball, ball losses. And he went safe in the team, put Musiala on the bench, and then he took the old experienced player in there, which I think is, is good. Uh, when you have your first game, you have to kind of win the team uh, over. And Thomas Muller scoring goals for fun and so on and so on. And you just felt that was just one of those days when a, when a new manager arrived. Leroy Sané, he spent a lot of time with him in the week before to build him up. And Sané was brilliant. Uh, on the day, so I expect him to get more playing time under Thomas Tuchel. And that was Dad giving his thoughts on their classiker. Mind you, still only two points behind Dormanar Bayern, and we still have a title race in April, which for us Bundesliga fans, uh, we don't take for granted. But however, Going into the into this game, the big lead-up being Julian Nagelsmann's dismissal. Now, there have been talks in, in, in German media as to not as much why Nagelsmann got removed, because in comes Thomas Tuchel, a proven world-class manager. However, it's about the how. Um, Fabrizio Romano was the first to come out with the fact that Julian Nagelsmann had been fired by, by Bayern Munich. Um, after a ski holiday, Uli Hoeneß, the former president, saying that uh, if he hadn't gone on that ski holiday, maybe the situation could have been rectified. Maybe they could have discussed it amongst each other. As always, with around FC Hollywood, there will be drama, so to speak, the biggest club in Germany. Um, when Oliver Kahn um, was pitched side with the Sky reporters, along with Lothar Matthäus, more in a journalistic capacity, as Toby Alchev will allude to, um, he challenged Oliver Kahn on, on the dismissal of, of Julian Nagelsmann and um, even um, stated that he had lied. But let's hear from Toby Alchef, one of the foremost journalists in Germany, about what exactly went down and what has followed. Hello to my friend uh, Jan Age. Well, uh, there is a lot of trouble at the moment at Bayern Munich, that's no question. Uh, Nagelsmann was sacked, Thomas Tuchel came and then there was the big TV fight between Oliver Kahn and Lothar Matthäus, two legends of the club. Well, they had their problems on the pitch, but now uh, they were having like uh, a fight live on TV. Um, the question was, how was uh, like the communication? How was were the talks when uh, Nagelsmann was sacked? I mean, the problem basically was. We built, and Fabrizio Romano, our friend from Italy, we know it, we knew it um, before Nagelsmann knew anything. And uh, the question was, who called whom and uh, where, when was the first contact, etc. And uh, the problem was, 
Khan said they tried to reach uh, Nagelsmann. Nagelsmann, he was in the mountains. Lothar said, uh, no, that's not really true. And you, you didn't behave like uh, Bayern Munich should behave. And uh, what was very interesting, I mean, they both were big players, but uh, Lothar, I know him very well. And he sees himself at the moment as a journalist. So when Khan was asked about that topic, he tried to like answer another question and then Lothar was like a, a really good journalist and asking or saying to Oliver Kahn that was not the question please answer and uh, then uh, the, the fight went on and at halftime there was uh, there is always a buffet for uh, journalists at, and media at the Allianz Arena and then Lothar was uh, talking more with colleagues about that uh, problem that fight with Kahn And uh, then he said to one colleague that uh, he had some messages that Oliver Kahn wasn't saying the truth. And then there was the big story, Lothar saying Kahn is lying. Uh, afterwards, uh, Lothar denied, he said he was not saying Kahn is lying, but there is still the fight and the fight went on. Like the next day, Oliver Kahn was at Sky at the TV studios and uh, talking about Lothar. And the, the problem is, Lothar and uh, Oliver Kahn, they played together and there is the famous Mir San Mir, the, the feeling of being a Bayern Munich player. And the problem itself is Lothar says the Mir San Mir does not exist anymore and Kahn says it exists. And that's what they're like discussing about. Um, I talked to Lothar today and he said to me he didn't want to offend or be uh, against Bayern Munich. But when he was there, the club was for about... 100 employees and there was more mir san mir possible now it's a business and you can feel that's a business and it's not like warm-hearted anymore khan on the other side was very angry about that and so the fight goes on um i think uh, there will uh, it's 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 very hard that the the two guys big guys big uh, egos will find together again um Lothar used to be a rep representative of Bayern, of Bayern Munich. Uh, I don't think he will uh, be that in the near future. And Khan, he's very angry with him. I don't know who is going to make the first call, the first step. I think uh, the fight will continue for some more weeks or months. That's my opinion. I wish you all the best. And I hope uh, this helps you to understand a little bit more about uh, the Bayern Munich cosmos. All the best, my friend. Bye-bye. And that was Toby Alscheffel reporting on Oliver Kahn Lothar Mateus confrontation if you may Mia San Mia we are who we are the motto of Bayern enshrined part of their history part of their identity by which Lothar Mateus thought that Bayern no longer adhered to now a new era a new dawn for Bayern Munich as they bring in Thomas Tuchel fighting on all fronts attempting to win the treble But what now for Julian Nagelsmann? Still so young, one of the hottest manager properties um, in the world. Uh, and now with uh, with managers looking for vying for, for positions, clubs looking for viable candidates, Julian Nagelsmann is one of a, an exclusive cohort of managers who are viable for these top managerial jobs. Now, Graham Potter has left Chelsea, been dismissed by Todd Bowley and the ownership group. But what does this mean for Julian Sagmos? Will he take a break? Will he go on for something immediately? Let's hear more from the transfer guru. 
Fabrizio Romano on the candidates awaiting for Chelsea. It's revolution time at Chelsea, I would say, again, because after spending big money on Graham Potter in September to appoint him from Brighton to trigger the close, now they are back at new manager search after the decision on Saturday night to fire Graham Potter and to go for a different coach. This is revolution again, and they can't miss. This time, they can't really miss for Chelsea Project to pick the best manager. This is why the owners, Todd Bowley, Benedek Dali, and the board of Chelsea is now in the process to pick the best manager. They will take some time, some days, some hours. But from what I'm told, they want a new coach as soon as possible. So I'm not sure that this is going to take a lot of time. It, of course, depends on the conversations. But Chelsea will try to have the new coach as soon as possible. So from what I understand, Julian Nagelsmann is the favorite candidate. Of course, Christopher Wiebel, the technical director of Chelsea, is German and knows very well the qualities, the skills of Julian Nagelsmann. So he's one of those who's pushing to have Nagelsmann as future coach of Chelsea Football Club. But not the only one. Also, other people into the board are big fan of Nagelsmann. So this is why there was already an approach. And from what I understand, it was positive. Nagelsmann is open to speak to Chelsea, to discuss with Chelsea about the long-term project. So Nagelsmann is attracted by this possibility. But we have to see how the conversation will continue in this sense, as Nagelsmann was thinking of a potential break after the shocking story with Bayern replacing him with Thomas Tuchel, unexpected decision. And so Nagelsmann is for sure the favorite candidate. Not the only one, because Chelsea, as we mentioned, they can't miss again on the coach. And so they want to make sure the decision has to be the best one. This is why there will be conversations also with other agent representatives or managers. From what I heard, there are other candidates like Luis Enrique, who's always been appreciated internally at Chelsea, leadership, experience, an excellent coach who is appreciated. But as I mentioned, the favorite remains Julian Agasman. I would also keep an eye on Ruben Amorim, the coach of sporting in Portugal, doing an excellent job, young, talented. He would cost 16 million euros. And so this is also a point that is never easy to negotiate with Portuguese clubs. But for sure, Chelsea are exploring multiple options. They will make a decision together, the owners, the board, they know that they can't miss. And this is why this is going to take probably some hours and days. But the idea was to change because they want to feel something fresh, something new, new energy. And Julian Nagelsmann is one to watch for sure, because this looks like an incredible opportunity for Nagelsmann, but also a good opportunity for Chelsea to have a young, talented coach. This is the feeling into the board. The conversation is ongoing, but Chelsea will only proceed with the final green light when they will be 100% convinced. And that was Fabrizio Romano reporting on the candidates for Chelsea. We've also made sure to have a man on the ground as we speak, as the person who usually is with me live, but is at Stamford Bridge now, is dad. And he talks a little bit about the situation that is in and around Chelsea. I am at Stanford Bridge and uh, it's been some hectic days, some hectic hours, especially after the loss against Aston Villa. And uh, of course, Todd Bowley, that's the guy we know. And uh, the media in England is talking about his naivety, his arrogance. But remember, Bowley is just the guy who kind of talk to the media, the guy we see. There is an investor group behind him that also needed to be convinced to A, get Potter in, and that was to get a Potter in, a guy that could lead the project, so to say. But it was even harder for them to admit that they were wrong. Imagine these people taking over a club like Chelsea Football Club, we were winning everything, it's in the middle of 
Western London, so to say, is a very prestigious club to own. And these kind of, kind of investors, they like that. They like to take their friends here. They like to do business here. And then they want to run a football club like they do with their business. So the idea of Graham Potter to come in was good because it was, it was a, a romantic way. It was a Hollywood-like script starting in Sweden, doing the things he did in England, especially with, with Brighton. So, yeah, that's the guy we need. But the problem is you have to win football games. And when you have a look at the table now, Chelsea, well, we don't have to look on the table to see that, but Chelsea haven't played well. And also against Aston Villa, yes, they had shots on target, but it's so hard to see what Graham Potter wants with this team. So also from a football point of view, it was the right decision to, to take him out now because time, patience, that is nothing that you get in these uh, big clubs. So Julian Nagelsmann, they say, is the favorite, but they are talking about here at Chelsea to talk with different candidates. What has always surprised me is if you see these shortlist of candidates, there are so there is a way, a big space between their philosophy. So you wonder if in their business, these big time investors, if they got an oil company, a gas company, they will look for someone to have the quality in doing that. Of course, all the, but they don't want to take someone who is just far away from their business idea. So if you run a football club like a business, you should start with the needs, with, with, with the players you have, with the philosophy and the way you want them to play here, and then you will have a shortlist based on that. But here you can have everything from, from Thomas Frank could be on a list, or, or Sinedan could be on a list, or, or Julian Nagelsmann, of course. But you have to have a look at their philosophy, how they want to play, and how they want to, to take this club further uh, ahead. Bruno Salter uh, is the uh, interims manager. He says in the papers today, I'm speaking on Tuesday, uh, and behind me here tonight is going to be another game. It's going to be Chelsea against uh, Liverpool. And he's saying, this is the first time I, I pick a team. Well, let's put it that way. You've got a lot of players to pick from. I think that is a part of the problem here. You bought in players without any plan. You just see some developing players and you put the transfer fee on them as they are world stars. And I think that was something to do with a problem Graham Potter had as well. You had to, to keep everybody happy, which is not possible with so many players. And the problem for Chelsea Football Club and for Julian Nagelsmann, if he comes in here, that he has to work with these players because I can't see them going on another rush to get in new players. But anyway... This is Jan Fjortoft for the German Fußball Podcast at the Stamford Bridge in London. Thank you, Dad, for sharing your thoughts on the Chelsea situation. Now, we've covered the managerial changes, we've covered the Klassiker, and we've covered the, the confrontation, the fight between Oliver Kahn and Lothar Matthäus. However, we also had a Bundesliga round on our hands. Now... A quick run-through. We can see that Union Berlin now are six points ahead of RB Leipzig in fourth, which means that they are in relative good contention for a Champions League spot. And what a story that is. Next game, Dortmund against Union. Now Union go away to Dortmund, they win. Then what? 
Well, we'll see. Dortmund are still very much in it to challenge for the title, their first loss of the season. So nothing uh, done and dusted in the in the title race. As for high-flying teams, you have Mainz, led by Abo Svensson, up against his former teammate, Marco Rosa, and they win 3-0 away. Arba Leipzig had did not bring much to the table. Mainz won thoroughly deserved, and a jork up top, excuse the pronunciation, a six-foot-five presence, good with his feet and a wonderful goal. See it if you have not. Um, a great scoop from Strasbourg, initially linked to clubs last summer with a contract soon expiring, got at a discount in January. Mine's very much in the contention for European spots as they fight with Leverkusen, who won 3-0 against Schalke, led by, by Xabi Alonso, obviously, and a Frimpong who will be linked to clubs, uh, a former Celtic player. And then you have Eintracht playing uh, against Bochum, a draw for Eintracht, who now very much have to fight for European places of which they will place the utmost importance trying to get to that sixth spot at the very least after initially fighting for the champions league spots somewhat found themselves in a downward spiral um led by oliver glasner who has yet to sign a new contract extension and who will be linked to bigger jobs due to his performances amongst them being the europa league triumph last year now we have the relegation scrap Stuttgart have their fourth manager of the season, Sebastian Hoeneß, not the, the son, sorry, of Uli Hoeneß, but Dieter Hoeneß, also a former West Germany player. Sebastian Hoeneß gained a lot of respect, credibility with his job for Hoffenheim uh, when he uh, parted ways with them after he led them to a ninth spot. So very much a capable manager for a uh, for a Hoffenheim team back in the day who now after finding themselves rather hopelessly at the bottom of the table, have gotten themselves a slight cushion um, ahead of Hertha Berlin, who are in qualification spots, who gained a, an important point away to Freiburg, who very much are in Champions League contention. Now, we have other games on our hands. We also have cup games this week as well. If you hear this, when you hear this, cup games might have been played, will be played, um, which will also determine certain teams' running and what they deem a success um but up for us to determine we will analyze this when we get back next week following the conclusion of this weekend's uh bundesliga rounds but thank you so much for joining us and before i leave you i save the best to last just as a reminder of uh the uh the uh hierarchy i don't know of looks between the uh between the fjordovs we had a a nice little message as I interviewed Andy Grafe in in celebration of the PFA 50th Awards, of which he won uh, Player of the Year and Young Player of the Year, actually. Um, the first player to do so back in 76-77. Um, here's a little voice note for from, from Andy Gray. There's this young man just arrived at my house called Marcus Fjortoft, and he tells me he's your son. Now, the only thing I could say to your son is, thank God he looks like his mother. That's all I can say. <laughs> and uh, on that note, I leave you, dear uh, listener, a uh, nice little one from Andy Gray, uh, who was a, a great sport for 
for the interview he did. Until next time, enjoy the Cup games. Enjoy the Bundesliga weekend as we undoubtedly will have such an exciting run in both on the title race front, but also in the relegation battle in terms of gaining Bundesliga survival. But thank you and auf Wiedersehen. 